Hey friends, welcome to Girls' Night. I'm Stephanie Mae Wilson, and I am so happy that you're here. Each week, I have a girlfriend over, and we talk through one of the biggest questions we have about our lives as women. We're talking about friendships and faith and relationships and self-confidence, about our calling in life and how to live every bit of our lives to the absolute full. Life is so much better and easier and absolutely more fun when we navigate it together as girlfriends, and I cannot wait to get started. My guest for today's episode is my dear friend, Liz Norris. Liz is an associate professional counselor in Atlanta, and that is perfect because that is exactly what we're talking about today, counseling. If you guys have been hanging out in our community for a while, you know that I am such a fan of counseling. It's something that's helped me so much in my life, and that's true for pretty much every single one of my girlfriends and all of the women that I look up to the most. Counseling has been a game changer for all of us. Not only that, but if you've been following me on Instagram lately, you might have seen that I recently just started going back to counseling, and I'll tell you all about why in this episode. But here's the thing. Because I'm such a fan of counseling, and because it's something I recommend to, um, pretty much everybody, I'm also totally aware that there are some big questions and doubts and even fears that come up when people mention the word. When we're thinking about going to counseling in our lives, we find ourselves asking questions like, does it mean that I'm really broken that I'm thinking about going to counseling? Or should I be ashamed of the fact that I think I might need help? Or do I need help? Isn't counseling for people with really huge problems? Or does going to counseling mean I don't trust God enough to help me in my life? Or how does counseling help anyway? And even if you're not asking those questions, you might have questions about the logistics of finding a counselor. How do you find a good one? How do you know what to look for? How do you pay for it? There's so many factors to consider, and it can feel totally overwhelming. But that's why I love this episode. In our conversation today, Liz and I are going to be talking through every single one of those doubts and fears and questions. And we'll also be sharing with y'all what counseling has done in our lives. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. But before we get started, there's something I wanted to make absolutely sure to tell you about. So, a few months ago, I was speaking at an event, and I was sharing the story of the Lipstick Gospel. By the way, if you haven't read it yet, the Lipstick Gospel is my very first book. It's my testimony of how I became a Christian, and you can pick up a free copy through the link in my Instagram profile, and I'm at Esme Wilson over on Instagram. So anyway, after my talk, I got off the stage, and one of the girls from the audience came up to me with a question. She told me, I want this. I've been a Christian all my life, but my relationship with God just isn't as rich and as colorful as the one you described. I want to know God better, to trust Him, and to see Him do amazing things in my life, but I have no idea how to get there. What do I do next? I've been asked that question so many times, and I'm always kind of at a loss for an answer. The thing is, I have an answer. I do. It's just a lot to share in a quick conversation. And so that night, as I struggled to give her a helpful answer in the 30 seconds we had together, I finally had an idea. I went straight back to my hotel room, I pulled out my laptop, and I began to write. And as I sat there in the hotel bed, I wrote down every bit of wisdom and advice and encouragement I have when it comes to getting closer to God. I wrote down the stories from my own life, the actual steps I took, the decisions I made, the prayers I prayed, and everything I've learned along the way. And I just love what that night of writing turned into. It turned into a devotional and a prayer journal, my very best resources for helping women experience a beautiful, deep, vibrant, and transformative relationship with God, and I would love to share them with you. They're called the Lipstick Gospel Prayer Journal and the Lipstick Gospel Devotional, and whether it's your first time getting to know God or whether you're at a point in your faith where you just want to go deeper, they're an invitation to see God in a whole new way, to step into the story He has for you, and they're practical guides for how to do that one day at a time. If you guys have read my book, The Lipstick Gospel, you know that for years, I thought Christianity would take me away from the kind of life I wanted to live, but actually, it plopped me directly in the center of it. I've learned that God is a God of great coffee and best friends and laughing so hard you cry or pee your pants. He's trips to the mountains and your toes in the sand and love beyond anything you even knew your heart could hold. 
He's healing and redemption and the best friend you could ever have. And that's what we'll find the more we get to know him. And that's what these books are for. They're each 90 days long, and you can go through them either at the same time or do one and then the other, whatever works best for you. But in them both, we're going on a journey towards a fuller relationship with God, with our lives, and with ourselves. Truly, if you are looking to grow closer to God in this season of your life, I would love to share them with you. So, here's how you can get them. You can either go to my shop, which is smaywilsonshop.com, or you can find that link through my Instagram profile. And again, I'm at smaywilson over on Instagram. Okay, so with that said, I am so excited for this week's episode. Here's my conversation with Liz. All right, guys, I am so excited for what we have going on today. I'm sitting here with my friend Liz Norris, who I just am so excited for you guys to get to meet. Um, Liz, I have to tell you, and I think I, I think I told you this when I begged you to be on the podcast, um, but you and I got to go to dinner with Carl, which we'll kind of explain the connection in a minute, but we went to dinner with Carl maybe like, um, was it a month ago? couple months ago, yeah. Yeah, okay. So we went to lunch or dinner, and I seriously could have sat there forever. Like, I could have closed the place down asking you questions and hearing from you. And as we were walking to the car, I looked at Carl, and I didn't even say any other words. I said, Liz must be on my podcast. <laughs> and, he, and he was like, yes, I agree. So forever, as I'm, like, planning season two, as I'm getting ready, it was like, blank, 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 blank. Liz Norris must talk about this. <laughs> so anyway, I'm That's so true. thrilled that you're here. Um, before we jump into anything, can you tell me, tell us who you are, what you do, and putting you on the spot, but I gave you a warning, so I think you're going to be okay. Uh, tell us a fun fact about yourself. Yeah. So yeah, like you said, I'm Liz Norris. So um, I am a counselor in Atlanta and uh, work part-time at a psych hospital part-time private practice and full-time as a recruiter for grad school. Um, and then a fun fact about myself is I used to work for the federal government. You do- doing what? I worked for the Army Corps of Engineers and I did logistics for the colonel and the captain's travel. Oh my God, that's like really intense. <laughs> Was it as intense as it sounds? No, uh, it's pretty easy. Oh man, that sounds like, that sounds intense. I feel like you would be like a good logistical person. That's not me. You don't want me planning your travel, but I would probably (laughs) want you planning my travel. So you're like, you know, I feel like it was for a season of time. Like now I want anyone else to plan travel. I, that's not what I want to spend my time doing, but for that season that I was there, I have found so much joy in doing that. Oh, that's so good. I, I love that. Um, it's funny because uh, Carl and I took a trip to Europe um, back in October. And as we were getting ready to go, I did not want to plan our travel because the idea of planning an itinerary and having everything match up and be perfect and all the details like made me nuts. And so I wanted to hire a sweet friend of mine um, to do it for us because that's what she does. She's amazing at it. Um, she's actually been on the podcast. Her name's Brie. Um, but Carl, like, did not want help. He wanted to do all of it himself. He wanted all the details. He wanted to know, like, he wanted to research every option. And it took him like a thousand times longer than it would have taken me to, I would just would have been like, that's fine, whatever. I don't care. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, let's map this out. Let's try version A, (laughs) version A.2. I mean, it was just, you might know this about him um, because actually you guys traveled together, which is how we know each other. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How did, how you met Carl? Yeah, so Carl and I did the world race back in 2010 when it was still fairly new, and we were on the same squad. So we did training camp and the whole 11 months together, and then I ended up being the 
squad leader, so a leader of the whole group. And so I got to travel around to each team, and I got to spend as much time with Carl's team as possible. Um, and he just it was like a brother to me. Um, so that's where we met. So we've known each other for eight years now. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And so you're kind of a borrowed friend for me. Like you're, we're totally Carl's friend first and I'm just like going to steal you for my own. Um, oh, for sure. Do. <laughs> um, do you really quickly to just like put you and him on the spot? Do you have any like random travel like, or I mean, random like Carl travel facts or stories, like anything I should know about him? Uh, gosh. The funniest part to me about traveling with Carl is the minute we hit Europe, he went shopping and got a whole new like city boy wardrobe. And he was one of the two people on our entire squad that had an iPhone. So he was like the whole time. Yeah, we they weren't they had just come out. We didn't have iPhones when I was on. The, <laughs> that's how old I am. Yeah. So we didn't have iPhones eight years ago. So he was the only one that's actually, I hear, I had an iPhone when I went on the world race, but I didn't bring it because it was like that new. It was like, you could one part with it. And two, like I had an iPod that had all my music on it. Yes. And so like I brought my iPod and it was an iPod touch. So it was like, did most of the same things, but there were only a couple people on my squad that actually brought their iPhone. That's hilarious that even before yeah. that Carl was that guy and that he bought a new Europe wardrobe. I oh, for that. sure. It cracked me up. Um, that's so funny because he, um, one of the things I was nervous about when I was getting married was like, I'm not going to be living with girls anymore. So who is going to tell me if my outfit doesn't look good? Carl. And yes, Carl Wilson, he has <laughs> such better style than me. And it's just like, that's just kind of the thing I've gotten used to in my life and my marriage is oh, like, yeah. uh, I don't know how to do this. Carl does. I'm kind of bad at this. Mm, Carl's better at it. Just everything, right. but including fashion. So I'm really glad that everyone knows that now. <laughs> yeah. He's going to listen to this and be like, really, guys? Really? Yes, <laughs> really. Um, so, Liz, I'm I'm so excited to have you um, on the podcast because um, counseling is something, and counseling and therapy, and I have a thousand questions for you, that's something that's been coming up a lot in my community. It's something that um, I've talked to so many of the women that I communicate with, so many of the women in my Make the Most of Your Single Life course, um, so many of the women I, like, email back and forth with, so many of the women I meet for coffee, like... Counseling is something that comes up all the time because there are just things in all of our lives that we bump into that are just a little bit bigger than we know how to handle on our own. And I know so many of the women in my community have come up um, against some of those things. And some of them are like, this is just kind of this thing in my life that I don't really know how to handle. Some of it's like really hard stuff that's happened in their lives. And um, so I find myself saying like, okay, let's talk about counseling and let's, this is an option. This is yeah. a, a resource. And I find myself talking about it all the time. Um, and so I really wanted to have you on to like help us debunk some of the things that keep us from going. Um, and I, I also really, I love this topic for a couple of reasons. So that's one of them. I just know it's a really great resource. And um, I know that for two reasons. One is that, uh, and I think I told you this when we were at dinner, both of my parents are licensed psychologists. Um, and I feel like that's something like most people kind of give me this look like, Ooh, what was that like growing up? <laughs> like, oh my, like it was very normal. Um, but so that's like counseling and therapy has been, um, just a really comfortable thing for me for my whole life. Um, but I know that that's not the case for everybody, which we'll talk about. Um, but the other reason I'm really excited to talk about this is because, um, I just know that this is that, um, counseling and therapy is a really, like a really helpful thing in our lives. And, um, 
I'll kind of share more about this like as we go, I'm sure. But um, it's actually, I've started going back to counseling lately, um, like in the last month or so, and it has been just so stinking good for my heart. Um, And so I always say like, every time I'm talking to someone, I'm like, you know what? This sounds a little bit, like it's a little bit beyond my pay grade and a little bit beyond yours too. Um, Like this is an option. And I always say like, this isn't a shameful thing. This isn't a scary thing. This isn't an embarrassing thing. Like I've gone in the past. Now I'm currently going I, every single one of my girlfriends has been in therapy at least once in their life. And so, mm-hmm. um, my hope is just to make this like help girls figure out, is this something that's good for me? Is this something that I should do or, um, some, yeah, to just kind of debunk some of these, um, myths and questions and doubts about it. Absolutely. Um, so tell us just first, why did you decide to become a therapist? Like, how did that, how did that come about in your life? Uh, the short answer is God. Um, I did not want to be a counselor, nor was I ever going to go to counseling. It wasn't even a question. Um, it just wasn't for me, probably because of a lot of the lies that most people believe I was believing the same ones. So after the world race, I was really praying about going to seminary for exegetical studies and I just did not have peace about it. It caused a lot more anxiety that I did not know was anxiety Um, I just thought I'm just really focused. I really want to figure it out and I'm just really determined. And, um, a good friend of mine also from the world race encouraged me to (laughs) quit pursuing anything with school and to just give it over to God for, for two months and ask three of my closest friends to pray on my behalf, listening to God, um, on behalf of what I would do with my future. And so for two months, I just thanked God for opening doors in March. So the January and February was when I was allowing and really trusting my three friends to pray on my behalf. And in March, all three of them came back to me in separate ways and said something about counseling. I was mad and (laughs) uh, I argued with God about it. And then I ended up meeting a counselor at some event and decided to set up a interview situation with her so I could go hear about what she does. And she prophesied over me in that moment or when I met with her and just said like that she sees it on my life. And I was like, I think you're full of it. Um, anyway, kept arguing with God. You're like, can you look again? Maybe like double check that. Yes. Yeah. Like you guys are wrong. Um, and then I just decided to apply because deadlines were coming up by this point. It was May and I just put in the application to Richmond, which is in Atlanta, and took, I put in the application in May, took the GRE in June, got accepted in July, and started in August. So I just decided that I believed what he was saying, and I moved forward. And so school was, I love school, but school was hard. The whole time, I kept having to remind myself, God told me to do this because I didn't see what would be on the other side of school. And it was so much, so far out of my control and out of my reach that I didn't know what I was doing. So I held on to that, 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 uh, path, I guess that the Lord was calling me into is like, this is what I want you to do. Go to school to be a counselor. And so essentially that's kind of how it all happened is just through him and through hearing, uh, the way, the things that he put on my friend's heart, which was interesting to say the least. Can you see like, now that you're like way further into it, can you see like, okay, this is why he was telling me to do this. (laughs) So kind of, I think the reason 
one reason, you know, he, he's a complex God. So I feel like he has multiple reasons for everything. But one of the things I think he was teaching me is that I had a lot of things that I haven't yet to face that I didn't know that I had to face. And so Richmond really believes that, uh, every good counselor has a counselor. Mm-hmm. And so they encouraged us to go to counseling. And so begrudgingly I started going and I didn't realize that I had so much hurt in my heart and that there were things I actually did have to turn around, like literally look back in the past and face because I never allowed myself to face it. I never allowed myself to feel it. I never allowed it to be what it was. And that was hard. That was really, really, really hard. And, but I think, and I really believe that I can't take anyone further than I've been myself. And so because I worked so hard personally facing my own crap and still do that I'm actually able to sit in the, in some really deep places with people, but that's the only reason I can Well, God. And then because God took me there myself. Yes. Yes. There, um, you know, however, like every once in a while people ask you like, what's the wisest thing anyone's ever told you? And, um, the thing I always come back to is that one time when I was working at Adventures and Missions in Atlanta, um, one of the amazing men who worked there at the time, um, called me into his office and he really like, um, really invested in me. And he said, um, Stephanie, you can't lead anyone anywhere you haven't gone yourself. And Mm -hmm. so you need to keep going to the hard places. And that was so, um, like, that was so good for me to hear that, that, um, I don't know. I think that when, when there's purpose to our suffering and purpose to our pain, um, and like, I think that God, like, I don't think God ever causes us pain. Like he just doesn't, but we live in a really broken fallen world. So pain happens in our lives. But, um, I think that like, I mean, there's so many ways that he redeems things and and heals things and fixes things and, um, uses things. But I think that that's a big one is that he uses the hard things we've been through. And so there's so many things that I can look back on in my life and like God's brought so much healing and redemption to him. But part of the redemption process is like, man, if I wouldn't have walked through this, I never would have been able to walk anyone else through this as well. Right. But when you're in it, that purpose does not matter. That right there that you said it when you're in it and you're in the thick of things thinking, well, this is going to be beneficial for someone someday. (laughs) It can't matter because depending on your personality, you've probably many people probably have already done everything else in their life for other people. Mm. So this counseling may be the first time people are doing something for themselves. So you're so right. Like the Lord will use it. He says that in scripture and that will happen. But for many people, they have to decide I need to do this for me and I am stuck in some ways and I am repeating habits that I don't know how to break myself or I just have some things I I just hurdles I want to get over that I'm just not able to do and it's or I I don't have boundaries that I need to have or I keep finding myself in these certain situations It's, it's things like that where it's like okay I want to be my best self I have to be the focus here and that is not selfish it's so, it feels so selfish though. For sure. It feels so selfish. For sure. But the thing about it's, it though, like, I, I don't know. I felt this the first, 
so one, when you're talking about doing things just for yourself, that's really hard for me. Um, you and I have talked about uh, the Enneagram a lot. We have actually had, or I don't know if this will be in the past or in the future here on the podcast, <laughs> but um, we're having an Enneagram expert on. Um, and so Liz knows that I'm a two on the Enneagram. And part of that is like, it's really hard for me to focus on my own inner story. It's hard for me to focus on what's going on in my life. And so to do something that's like not for other people is really is really hard, but really good. And like, as I walked out that first day, I thought two things. I thought, this is going to be the best thing I've done for myself in a really long time. But also I do know that this me healing and me growing in these ways are the, is the best thing I can also do for my marriage and for my friendships and for the women Mm -hmm. I lead. And it's like, it's all, it's not selfish. Right. Um, why do you like knowing what you know? And then I want to get into like some specific questions why do you believe in therapy? Like, why is it good for us? Gosh, I think I might tear up answering this question. Um, give me a second. It's okay. Because I've seen the benefit in my own life. Hmm. Um, I (laughs) was talking to someone, I guess I've said it a couple of times over the last couple of weeks. I've had my therapist now for five years ish. Um, And she, the thing is, is that I struggled a lot in the beginning, walking through my past story and walking through things that have happened to me, um, and things I didn't understand. And whether that was my perception of reality, it was what it was. Right. So it was really difficult and facing pain is not easy. So it's, she's seen me and the good, bad, and ugly. She's seen me really stressed. She's seen me really anxious. She's seen me everything, right? Depressed, everything. And what I've noticed is that the closest I think I'll ever be to seeing Jesus face-to-face outside of heaven is with my therapist. We have had some very holy, holy moments that neither one of us can explain. They're just sacred. Um, And it is sacred space. It's sacred space for my therapist. She tells me that it's sacred space for me as a therapist with my clients, because you're, you're getting into the places in the heart that really very few other people, if anyone else gets, uh, because it's protected and it's safe. So that's, I mean, that's the easiest way I can describe it. I mean, it's, I believe in it cause I've seen my own life. I'm not even with Jesus, like I wasn't who I was prior to finding Jesus, but even walking through therapy, gosh, the conversations I have are so different. The way I see people, the way I see myself, the way I treat myself, the way I do everything is so different because I've been in therapy. That's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So I, like, I have a lot of I'm going to have to totally like mix things up a little bit because I feel like this is the perfect moment to ask this. Um, I actually did kind of a shout out for questions on Instagram and asked um, girls to ask their questions and I got an absolute flood of them. Um, It seems like there are so many women who have been thinking about going to therapy in their own lives and haven't for for a variety of reasons. And one of them is, I think we have this idea, and I don't know if like someone taught us this or if it's just sort of this idea we have in our heads that... Therapy and Jesus are not, like, 
don't work together. Like if I need to go to therapy or if, if I'm, if I'm praying hard enough, if I am having, if I have enough faith and if I'm close enough to the Lord, then he should heal me. I, I shouldn't need someone else or like, yeah, let's, let's start there. I shouldn't need someone else. What do you have to say to that? Sure. That makes, I hear that a lot and that makes a little bit of sense to me. Like I can understand where that comes from. And I may have even believed that before. Hard to say now that it's been so many years, but, um, the main thing is that I, well, let me ask you this. Do you ever ask your friends for advice? All the time. Well, if you really trusted Jesus, would you do that? I mean, yes. The Trinity is community. The Trinity is in relationship with one another. God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit, there is community, right? And so we're going to, we, as the body of Christ, we interact with in community, right? So if we can do that and we can seek mentors, even professional mentors, professional mentors, like take out Put Jesus aside for a second. If you just want to progress in a business, you're going to seek out professional mentors. You get around the people that you want to be like, right? Mm. That have what you want. You glean from other people. So if we know these principles are true across the board, why aren't they true for counseling? Why do we separate it and we put so much judgment and shame on something that is can actually be so very freeing? Um, I think, I think now being on you know, the other side of a lot of my own pain is that it took a lot of strength and a lot of trust in Jesus to be my whole self in therapy and to face, I mean, pain is not comfortable. Hurt, grief, heartbreak is not easy to sit in and to allow yourself to feel those things is how you allow yourselves to move past those things. So being able to do that with someone else is, I think, a picture of Jesus because it's not my counselor. It's God through my counselor. And he's the great counselor. She can't do anything apart from God. And so to me, it's it's a closer, I get closer to God by going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, um, as you're talking about the sacred space with you and your counselor, like, it almost like the, the word that came to my mind was ambassador. We are all ambassadors, but like she's an ambassador for Jesus in your life. She's Jesus mm-hmm. in the flesh in your life saying, Liz, tell me about that. Let's sit in this. Like, let's pray through this together. Let's like, like say more about that. Don't run from this. Like she's the great counselor in the flesh in your life on behalf of Jesus. And like as his ambassador, it, I don't know. It's not anything you think of with connection you have a, a picture in your mind of what connection looks like. And it doesn't look like, unless you've been to therapy, it, it probably doesn't look like what I'm saying. Um, but that's the deepest connection with another human that I've had when it comes to me and my heart, because I don't have to be anything to my counselor. Mm-hmm. So, But I feel so connected to who I am and who God is and to who she is. And I know very little about her. It's funny because I think one of the other... Um kind of, uh, I don't know, um, things that gets in the way. One of the other questions I think that people have about counseling is like, well, I have girlfriends, like I have people who can talk me through things and I, or like, I'm really good at sort of self counseling. Like I'm good at asking myself Mm -hmm. questions and talking myself through things. And, um, so when people go, when people ask me like, well, 
isn't that enough? Like, isn't, isn't your girlfriends enough? Well, I have amazing girlfriends and they walk me through so much. My goodness, they walk me through so much. But the thing about it is a counselor, it, it is a one-sided relationship. And so you don't have to worry about like, oh my gosh, I didn't even ask them about them. Oh my gosh, like I talked about myself so much or oh my gosh, what are they going to think about me? And it's this sacred place where they're not going to share what you, sh- like what you say. They don't, like, of course, like you're talking to a human, so they have an opinion about you, but that's not, mm-hmm. it doesn't affect the rest of your life. You get to just say, hey, this is a mess and it doesn't go past those four walls. There's no consequences for it. Um, and and it really is like the, 100% of the conversation gets to be about your heart um, because you're not friends. It's, it's because it's different. It's because they're mm-hmm. not your friends. So you're able to share things you're not able to share with anybody else. And you're able to speak in a way that, feels more selfish because you're not saying like, and tell me about your winter break or something. Um, right. But it's so like you get so much more. Um, I don't know. Like you get to go so much deeper because of that. Right. And with your girlfriends, you can think through things and you can think, well, I'm noticing I'm having these same patterns or I'm noticing I'm doing this. And you may find a way to like have your girlfriend hold you accountable or um, I don't know think through another way of doing things, but to figure out and to dig into what does it feel like to be disappointed in yourself? What does it feel like to know that you keep trying something and you keep failing yourself or you feel like a failure to others or whatever it may be? There's, I could go on and on, but to sit with that, what does that feel like? What does it feel like in your body? What happens prior to, um, you getting really anxious and, and the negative self-talk our girlfriends don't know how to don't really know how to walk us through that because a it's not their job uh, in that deep way and b that's just not what the relationship does now so, to some degree you can go, you go very deep mm-hmm. but a lot of my girlfriends are therapists but we don't do that for one another cuz we're not each other's therapist yeah and so I have girlfriends who will, who will say, I don't know, something that's deep, and then she'll let me go figure it out. We'll talk through it. We'll talk through it. We'll logically talk through it. I will feel through it with my counselor. Hmm. And like There's you said, a different... you said you have to heal, or you have to feel through something, like really feel it to get to the yeah. other side of it. Yes, because so often when a, a negative feeling comes up, it's like a beach ball we push down under the water that at some point it's going to pop back up and so often it's going to pop back up and knock us in the head. Mm-hmm. It's going to come out of nowhere and then we're going to push it back down. And then at some point we're going to have like six beach balls pushed under the water and we're not going to know why we're so overwhelmed. We've got to turn around and we've got to face it and we've got to feel the weight of the beach ball and we've got to accept it for whatever it is. We've got to forgive ourselves or other people, whatever it may be. And we've got to start walking a different path because the path we've been walking, it got us through. But so often, once, especially once we get in our 20s, maybe later 20s, we start to see that the path that we've been walking is no longer working for us. And so we have to try something new. But we don't know how to try anything else except for pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and try harder. And that doesn't work. Liz, what are some things, you know, I know that another... Um like misconception about therapy is that, um, 
Well, I think there are kind of two. One, um, you have to be like mega broken to go to a therapist. Like you have to be just insanely broken, have this horrible thing in your past to be able to go to therapy. Anything else is like, yeah, you should be able to figure that out by yourself. Or like if you, I think we have this fear, if I do go to therapy, does that mean I'm really broken? Um, (laughs) What are some things like, um, can you like just make a list for us? Just kind of whatever comes off the top of your head. What are some things people might go to therapy for? So if a girl's sitting here going like, should I go to therapy about this? Or should I like, you know, use some essential oils and pray a little harder and call a girlfriend or something? Like what are some things that are therapy worthy? Everything. Um, Really, you can go to therapy for anything, whether it's life transition, uh, grief. You've lost a lot of people or a pet or loved one. Losing a pet is a big deal, by the way. Hmm. Um, uh, Addiction, uh, having parents that are addicts, having parents that have mental health diagnoses, um, uh, reentry from the mission field, um, noticing that you have like a change in... uh, how motivated you are in getting things done, noticing some, some patterns that you don't know how to change yourself. Maybe you keep going after the bad guys and you don't know why, or, um, maybe you keep getting yourself in codependent friendships and you can't seem to stop, or maybe you love too hard and you don't know how to love yourself. Well, um, maybe you struggle with working too much because you're afraid to face some of the stuff going on in your own life, but you don't know that sometimes that's the thing is we don't know why we do what we do. And so self-care is a big thing in our world today, we t- especially the Christian realm. We talk about it all the time. And so one way that people care well for themselves is to start therapy, even if you don't know what you're going for. Mm-hmm. And I'll be the first to say, I didn't think I had any anxiety, none. And I don't have some, I don't have generalized anxiety disorder. I just have some anxiety. We all do. Um, and so it's not this big thing that I have to be on loads of medication for. However, I see a benefit to medication. Uh, and there's a time for stuff like that. That's not a shame-based thing at all. Um, medication is, is a tool, just like therapy is a tool, just like essential oils are a tool. Um, and so I think the list can go on and on about why people go to therapy. But if, if anything, it's a way to give yourself a hug um, in a way that you never have before. And from the way that I'm looking at life right now, I would say you can't not do it. It's too risky to not do it at this point. The, you need it. You need to, it's like get it, going to get a massage. Um, over time, it feels like that at least where you're going in and you can actually breathe and you're in that sacred space. In the beginning, it's not like that. And in the beginning, your fears do feel like they're being confirmed because it's not fun. It's not comfortable. Um, feeling negative feelings and sitting in it sucks and we don't want to do it. And we don't want to go back to the things that we had forgotten happened to us, whether it was the one time my mom forgot to pick us up from school, that might be so significant. And we shame ourselves thinking that that's so stupid. And I was so long ago, why do I care anymore? Well, you care because God's trying to show you something and life is cyclical. So it's going to continue to come around until you start dealing with it. And once you do, you'll, it'll, your life will still keep going around in that circle where it keeps coming up, but you'll get deeper and deeper into it until it's healed. You said that, um, you said it's dangerous not to what, like whatever the thing is in our life, in our present in our past like if we don't and like you said 
it'll pop up and hit us in the face like a beach ball. And I love Mm -hmm. that analogy. What does that look like? What is the actual real life danger of not dealing with some of this stuff? Like, how does it show up in our lives? Well, it depends on, it depends on the stuff that's going on in your life, but it may never be able to feel like you have a real authentic relationship because you're so uncomfortable with something that you're not able to truly connect. Um, or maybe you're really hurt as a kid by your dad and that's really affecting your relationship with men or your husband, depending on what your life has looked like, it can show up in various ways. So I say danger because I'm looking at the way we love ourselves. And if scripture says you can't, uh, love your, love your neighbor as yourself, right? If you start there and you think you love everyone so well, but yet you've never paid attention to what's really going on with you. I challenge that, you know, you can't be your true authentic self unless you accept yourself and everything that's happened, every way you are, even those things that you don't tell people, even those sins that you still struggle with, even those things that you struggle with more so now that you're a Christian and you don't want to talk about or whatever it may be, accepting that that's part of your life and then working with someone to get out of it. Um, if we don't face our stuff after years and we look back, we'll do the same thing to our kids. Even we'll do the same thing to the people that we work with. You'll just, you'll, it'll come up. It'll keep coming up like beach balls until you, till you, you deal with it. And so if you take the time now, whatever age you are, you're never too old and you're never too young. Just start, start paying attention to yourself and start loving yourself a little bit more and loving the parts of you that hurt. We shame the parts of us that hurt and we can't treat ourselves that way anymore. That's a danger to us and our, and our friends and our family. Oh, I like want to stand on my chair and like <laughs> just dance right now. Um, it's, it's funny because, um, so I told you that my parents are psychologists. And so, I mean, I've been in therapy, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I was like, I honestly don't know how many times, um, but it was like most of my life, it was for very specific things, like very specific moments. And it was usually pretty short. So, um, I think the first time I like really remember, um, was my senior year of high school. I got in a really bad car wreck and, um, I like was having a really hard time driving again. And so, um, I went to therapy for just a little while and it was so helpful, like really quickly. Um, which I think is not always the case. I did, um, EMDR, which we can talk about. Oh, that's awesome. Um, it was like, mega helpful, um, in my life. And so I was able to drive again, which was awesome. Um, I went in college after a really bad breakup. Um, after the breakup I talk about in the lipstick gospel, I went to therapy for a while because I just couldn't get over it. Um, I went until this time, the most recent time I went was right before Carl and I got engaged because I was freaking out about marriage. I was so anxious. I, I, I'm sure that anxiety has been a part of my life, like probably forever, but I had never felt it in that way until right before Carl and I got engaged. And I like, so I went then, but the thing that's interesting is that I had never like speaking of, um, like thinking you have to be really broken or really messed up or something in order to go, um, this last time, like deciding to go this time, there's nothing that feels really broken. Like I, I didn't go because I couldn't get out of bed, although that's a great reason to go. Um, just kind of over time, like since the last time I went, I started making notes like in my phone actually of things I wanted to talk about in therapy. Mm-hmm. And there were just things that like, it felt like my knee hurts on like every third Saturday. I've never gotten that checked out. Or like my, like 
I cry when this happens and I have no idea why. Or like, this always makes me anxious and I can never really like figure out what that, what's going on there. Um, and so that's why I went because I knew that like, there were just some random things in my life that I wanted to kind of clean up and that I didn't want to struggle through anymore. Like we, life is hard enough without us carrying pounds and pounds of baggage. And so I Mm -hmm. wanted to, I want to be the kind of person that when I notice something, I want to address it so I can drop it so I can run faster. Um, but Mm -hmm. it's interesting because as I've gone, I feel like I noticed, like what I was noticing was like black ice in my life a little bit, just like a little patch of ice. And I feel like the longer I've been there, I've been like dusting at it or like melt, like kind of clearing away the snow. And I'm like, there's an iceberg here. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Yeah. Like really, I, um, like I'm, I've noticed, um, that I stink at taking care of myself and that that's like a deep thing that there are parts of my identity that I don't really know if I've let God fully like that I that I didn't realize were broken that like ways I see myself that I didn't realize weren't exactly who God says I am um like patterns from friendships from years and years ago that still Mm -hmm. bring me a lot of fear and anxiety even in my friendships today even though my friendships today are so good my friendships haven't always been good and I'm seeing Mm -hmm. like residual effects of that and so it's like it's crazy to me because even though I don't have like if, if you're to say you can only go to therapy for like giant thing X, giant thing Y, giant thing Z. What I'm like working through in my life right now are giant things to me and they don't fit in any of those categories, but right. they impact the way that I see the world and myself and the way I interact with it. And it's so cool because one, yes, it's uncomfortable. And I leave therapy every day, like every time being like either in tears or like raw as can be. But I feel so much hope in it because I can see mm-hmm. this outline of a freer version of myself and Mm -hmm. I'm dying to get to her. And I like, I I cannot wait to get to her. And I'm so willing to do all the work to get to that point because that girl is so unburdened by the things that I didn't realize were burdening me and have been burdening me my whole life. And like, Mm -hmm. I'm so pumped about it. So I'm so glad that you said everything, like everything you can go for everything and anything. Yeah. One thing I didn't say though, that I I do want to say is I feel like this is also a big one family, not family where you feel like everything is hostile all the time or everything's, uh, I don't know where your parents were, didn't, where they were never home and you raised yourself. Yes. I think that also counseling would be beneficial, but I'm also saying that we all have a role in our family and most often we want to get out of that role. But every time we go home to be with our family, we find ourselves in that same spot. We feel like away from our family, we're like, I've changed. I'm this person. I'm going to go back and love my family. I'm going to be nicer and I'm not going to shut down or I'm not going to lash out or I'm not going to assume anything or whatever it may be. And then you go home and you do the very thing that you don't want to do because there's a magnet that pulls you back to that role because your family treats you that way, because you've always been in that role, because you just slide back into it the minute you pull into the driveway, who knows? But that's also a really big one for people is how do I quit replaying the same like role over and over with my folks? And everyone said, amen. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's huge. That's so good and true. And oh, it's so good. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. And sometimes when things started to feel a little bit overwhelming, I needed to get a few things off my chest so I could clear my mind and keep the writing process flowing. And the thing that helped me so much to sort through those feelings was therapy. Now tell me if any of this sounds familiar. Maybe you're going through something really hard right now, a big loss or a gigantic life transition. Maybe you frequently feel anxious, depressed, overwhelmed, or just generally discouraged. Maybe you really, really, really want your life circumstances to change, but you don't know how to actually change them. Or maybe you're feeling stuck as you try to work through your past, navigate your present, or figure out your future. Friend, if you can relate to any of this, you're not alone. I've been there, and therapy has been the thing that has helped me more than anything else with all of this. In the last 10 years or so, I've learned that strength isn't proving I can do it on my own. It's knowing that I don't have to. I'm at my strongest when I have a full support system around me, and an essential part of my support system is therapy. Therapy can be absolutely life-changing, that is, if you can afford it and find a therapist you like and trust. But of course, this is easier said than done, and that's why I'm so excited to be partnering with this week's podcast sponsor. Our sponsor for today's episode is BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the easiest and most affordable way I've ever found to find a great therapist. It's entirely online and super easy to sign up. You can get started right away, and if you don't love the counselor you're paired with, switching is easy and it's free. If you're going through something hard in your relationships, or if you're in a funk you just can't shake, if you've been feeling anxious or depressed lately, or if you're feeling stressed and you need help balancing your everyday life and schedule, BetterHelp is an incredible resource for you. And I'm so thankful that they've given me a promo code that I can share with you to make it even easier to get started. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. The time that I use Claritin the absolute most is when I'm at my parents' house, my childhood home. They have this absolutely beautiful cat that they love and I like, except for the fact that he sheds so much. So that means that I'm basically sneezing from the second I arrive home to the second I leave, unless I take Claritin. My dad has even started having it ready for me right when I walk in the door. Are you ready to live life as though you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. 
You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use this directed. Claritin, thank you so much for sponsoring our girls' night. We love having you. Okay, so I feel like everyone listening, if, if anyone listening has been even thinking a little bit about going to counseling, they're like, okay, I'm in. So, yeah. but, okay, there are some like big hurdles to cross. So one, how the heck do you find a good therapist? Um, one question really quick is like, I've sort of been using these words interchangeably, which I should know better, but therapist, counselor, I know psychologist and psychiatrist, but can you kind of like give like a super brief over, like, what are we looking for here? What kind of letters after your name are we, are important and what the heck do they even mean? Sure. So let's just in case you, anyone's listening that don't know about psychiatrist or psychologist, a psychiatrist is someone who can prescribe medication. Mm -hmm. A psychologist is, uh, and they're, it's a medical doctor. A psychologist is a, a doctorate degree, a PhD. Um, and they have, or the PsyD, um, and they, so it's a doctorate level, and they can all do more testing and more research. Well, anyone can do research, but they can do testing. Um, they can also counsel, um, but that's just the difference is the added testing. All right, so now therapist and, and counselor. I'm also going to throw in social worker because there's yes. clinical social workers who also provide counseling services. So um, I typically use them interchangeably as well, but the main difference, at least as far as I know, um, is a therapy therapist is like a marriage and family therapist and counselor is a professional counselor. So the terms are pretty interchangeably. I am a, I am a associate professional counselor. I'm not fully licensed yet, but I'm so close. I can taste it. <laughs> um, and so I technically, if you're going to use my, the letters after my name, I would be a counselor. Um, and if, it, if I was a marriage and family therapist, then I would call myself a therapist. Now, I still use them interchangeably because I do therapy with my clients. Um, I also do counseling with it. They're very similar. A lot of people don't find a lot of distinction there anymore. Um, social work is really, someone explained it this way to me, and it I loved it in general. So I'm not talking about clinical social work right now. I'm talking about the general role, the general profession is more focused on the external. So resources, connections, community connections, et cetera. It's very focused on the external, whereas counseling and therapy is focused on the internal. Now saying that counselors and therapists can do social work jobs, quote unquote, and, uh, like meaning tasks, not fill in a specific job role unless the facility or the organization hires in that. But um, on the flip side, social workers can also provide some counseling, but the training is, there's different training for both of them, but that doesn't mean that someone who is a clinical social worker can't walk you through an internal counseling process. That's not what I'm saying. Um, I, I'm also saying a lot more of their training is focused on the external, um, okay. and a lot our whole training as counselors is focused on the internal. So I have plenty of friends that see clinical social workers uh, as their therapists. So uh, I think it just depends. I also think that finding a good counselor is like finding your size pants at old Navy. You may know what size pant you are at old Navy. You go get it, you go try it on. It doesn't fit. 
you go back to the same section of pants, you pick up another pair, same size, you go try it on and it fits. Um, I think that's what finding a counselor is like. You got you got to try a few out till you find one that clicks. Also be aware of your own resistance because it's not going to be great. You want to have the relationship. Um, something else I want to say that I kind of hit on that kind of hits on another question you asked me earlier. Um, the broken question, I feel like you have to be so broken to go or what, whatever. I think there's also this misconception that the first day you go into therapy, you have to bear your soul. That's not true. You get to know your therapist. Your therapist gets to know you. You're building a relationship. It is a different relationship, but it's still a relationship and you're building trust. So you don't have to walk in and say, this is everything that happened to me. You don't, you don't have to automatically full on trust your counselor. That's going to grow. Um, you may have some borrowed trust for your counselor if you, she's been recommended or if he's been recommended and you may say, I'm going to try to trust, but there's still going to be that trust that builds through the relationship. So as you find your quote unquote pair of old Navy, old Navy pants that fit you also be willing to, to allow yourself to grow in trust instead of do a deep dive in with every single one, because that's hard to, to do, to keep bearing your soul while you're trying to find a counselor. So try a couple different ones, and you're looking for someone that you, like, sort of, in, as much as you can for someone you've basically just met, that feels like a good fit, that they you feel like your personalities kind of get along, or... Yeah, you'll... I guess you'll kind of know, uh, you'll, you'll feel understood. It takes time. It takes time. It'll take a couple sessions. Now I'm not saying to everyone that you need to go try a couple different ones. I tried one. It's to say, don't give up on your first one. If it doesn't work out. Mm. Um, I think the let you brought this up earlier letters behind your name. I think that matters. Now the letters behind the counselor's name will differ depending on state. So that's annoying (laughs) in Georgia. You're looking for, uh, LPC, APC, MFT, or, uh, AMFT. So that's associate professional counselor, professional L- licensed professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, or associate marriage and family therapist. So that's in Georgia and other places there it's, it's similar letters like that. And if you don't know, you can always Google, what does this mean? The state of Michigan, um, but you you want some sort of letter like that. Now, uh, Christian counselors, I, I want to hit on this as well. So I don't promote myself as a Christian counselor. However, I am a counselor that loves the Lord. Um, but for me, my brother was hurt by someone who said he was a Christian counselor. He had no counseling degree. He had no counseling training, but he was sta- standing in as a church counselor and really hurt my brother. And I, well, my brother is my brother. So knowing that if I started labeling myself in that way, that could hurt him. It could bring up things for him. I also know that many people have been hurt by the church. I want to be careful. Um, and I've also worked in places where they're, they're not Christian environments. So, um, I'm just a counselor who is a Christian. So if you're looking at church counselors, that is not a bad thing at all. I would just look to see what sort of credentialing they have, because if you to be a Christian counselor, you don't always have to be licensed under the state. And it's um, important that you are licensed under the state. 
I think so, but that's my personal opinion because of how my family's been affected. Um, I believe it's important to be licensed under the state because you have a, an extra set of ethical guidelines that keep your actions and the way that you operate, it keeps it in check. I like that. I think, I think that having those letters after your name, they don't say prestige necessarily. They don't say that you did all this schooling necessarily, but it does say, it does say those things, but that's not the point. It says that you're, you're willing to go an extra mile. Um, and, and you know that God can still use that, um, that you're willing to be under a lower le- uh, well, I guess more ethical guidelines. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm making sense. I just know that I, to me, I trust someone with letters after their name like that a little bit more. Um, but I have also been in a, a situation where I've been hurt by not because of my brother. Right. So, um, that is a very personal belief. So I'm not sure if many others hold that belief, but I do. I I think the reputation you have by having letters under your name really sets you apart. I, I like that, and I agree with that, and I think my parents are going to be, like, amening as they listen to this, um, just because, um, you, like, you've talked about counseling being a really safe space, and I think the reason it's safe is because there are boundaries, and my counselor and I talked about this yesterday, there are boundaries, so, like, she can't be my best friend, like, we're not going to hang out, and right. so I can't, like, lose her as a counselor because I lose her as a friend because she's not my friend, she's my counselor. Mm-hmm. And there's just some boundaries there. Like there's the boundary of she doesn't share the things that I say in counseling because she's like required not to. Um, the only, there are caveats to that. One being- Five if, reasons. There are five yeah. reasons? Yeah, with it, caveats, five caveats. Five caveats. Okay, one is um, if you could be a harm to yourself. Like mm-hmm. So, so if, if your counselor sees that you are potentially going to harm yourself, they will mm-hmm. contact people who can help you. Um, Mm -hmm. on your behalf, if they think that you're going to be a harm to others, Mm -hmm. like they're required to step in. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that my, my therapist is pre licensure like you, I think she's Mm -hmm. really, really close. Um, Mm -hmm. but she has someone above her who's watching her and take and like, who she can go to supervision. Yes. Going, going to her for questions, which is also awesome because there's like two layers of help there. But like, she made sure to tell me that she will never share any identifying details or anything with this person, more general things like, I'm not sure how to handle this. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, so, so she'll share things with someone who's supervising her, but I'm really comfortable with that. Cause I'm glad that mm-hmm. there's like someone else kind of, um, watching out. Okay. What are the other? Yeah. So you're right. Threat of harm to self or others, suspected child or elderly abuse Yes. Okay. or subpoenaed by a court. So those are the five supervision is a sixth. Um, and supervision is not, it's about the, it's about the case. It's about case conceptualization. It's about, Hey, my client said she's going through this and I'm not really sure how to navigate that well with her because it hit something in me Hmm. or my client said something that triggered my past wounds and I did the best I could, but I, I almost cried in in session. It's It's like like not even about them. It's about, it's about you. It's not about the client at all. Um, no. And so it's more about how we can see see the client better, um, and how we can be a better therapist to the client. So that's what supervision is. So yeah, you're right there. are those five caveats. Um, I I like that there's, I like that there are those rules and like also, you know, um, 
you know, there's, there's a, you can lose something. If you have, if you have a license, you can lose your license. And so you have check. this extra, yeah, this extra check. This is maybe a random example, but my dad is an absolute, um, just stickler doesn't even begin to cover it about drinking and driving. Obviously everyone should be a stickler about drinking and driving, but my dad, I don't think he would have a drink in a day and then get in a car because, um, he supports his whole family based on his license. And if he were to get a DUI for some reason, he would lose everything. And so, I mean, it's, he has so like he, yeah, he will not have a sip of a beer, like seven hours before he gets in a car. And it's just, it's things like that. It's like, you have more to lose. And so you need Mm -hmm. to like, you have a governing body above you, keeping you in check, which I think is absolutely, absolutely. Now the not only that, but I have someone who continues to help me grow as a counselor so that I am more competent than I was last year. Um, and to help me make sense of the materials I'm reading to help my, my uh, client or whatever it may be. It's, I am alone in session with my client or clients, but I have someone who's got my back who just will help me see things I don't see, uh, about myself and about what's going on, which is just helpful. Um, it's how I continue to grow, which is great. Okay. So we said, um, try things out. Know that when you first get into your like first couple of counseling sessions, you're going to feel uncomfortable and you're probably not going to like it. So if you Mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable and don't like it, that's not a sign that it's a bad fit. Um, but it might just be working. It might just be working. Exactly. (laughs) You're like, I'm pissed about this. Well, there it is. It's working. Yeah. Um, so, but if you really feel like, I don't think this person understands me, like I'm feeling some shame in here, or I just feel like we're not speaking the same language. Bring it again. up. Bring it up. Bring it up. Bring it up. Whew. Okay. What if the girls are up. like, uh, no. <laughs> if you can, if it, if you can at all, bring it up because what's she going to do? Come hunt you down. She can't. It, you're, there's confidentiality. She cannot. She, all the interactions happen in session. So if you, if you can, I encourage you to say, Hey, when I said this last week, your response felt dismissive. Can we talk about that? Okay. Or I didn't feel like you understood what I really wanted to bring up in session. And I've done that plenty of times and it sucks every time. <laughs> uh, I haven't done it in probably a couple of years, but early on I did because I have all these feelings that are telling me one thing. And so I needed to check them. Hey, I, I want to believe the best in you because I know that you care about me because you sit across from me week after week. This is how I felt last week. Um, so I would say bring it up. If you can't bring it up, go ahead and find another one. Um, but if you can, try. Um, and if you have one that you've been seeing for a while and you want to leave, please try to terminate well. And what that means is try to give your counselor a heads up that you'll be leaving. Hmm. Um, it brings closure to therapy and I think would be beneficial. Um, that's really good. Okay. So, so knowing that, so your counselor is going, each one's going to fit differently and like, Mm -hmm. give it a, like, give it a try. Um, I think one thing for me is I really knew some things I was looking for as I was looking. Um, I, I wanted, well, I think I, I decided that I was okay with someone who wasn't quite licensed yet, knowing that they were under supervision by someone who was, um, I wanted someone who was a Christian that was important to me. Um, and I, um, 
I wanted someone who's trained in EMDR because I think that that's really good. Can you give like a really, I cannot just, I cannot define EMDR at all. Can you give us a little uh, (laughs) definition of what that is? Yeah. So EMDR is eye movement desensitization reprocessing. And so essentially it's a less invasive way to process trauma, to process through really hard things. Um, It's not a miracle thing in the sense that you're still going to feel things. You're still going to have your feelings and it's still going to bring things up. So it's not, it's not going to make, I guess, take away all your feelings so that you can go through it pretty easily. It's still going to be difficult to do, but it's less invasive and it's a little quicker than talk therapy. Um, and so if you have someone who's trained in EMDR, if you do have some trauma, EMDR really is beneficial. I'm not trained in EMDR yet. It's coming up in March and I'm really excited about finally getting that training. But I do have a client who I referred to get EMDR from another therapist while still doing talk therapy with me. Um, that's so good. It's been, yeah. it's been so helpful in my life. And I mean, truly like I can drive a car because of EMDR. It's, I mean, it's, it's been so, and it's been so helpful to so many of the women in my life that I love, like they've, it's, it's helped them through some really like real trauma yeah. in their lives. So that's something I was looking for. Yeah. Um, how do you think it's important that like, so I know that we talked about like just being a Christian counselor and kind of like mm-hmm. dubbing yourself a Christian counselor or, um, uh, do you think that as a believer, it is important that your counselor is also a believer? Or do you think like, is that a kind of a personal preference thing? So I do. Um, but I also, um, oh, I guess I did forget. I tried two counselors. I forgot about one. Before I found the one that I've had for the longest time, I went to a non-Christian because I didn't want any more hyper-spiritualized people in my life. And I was afraid that they would just say essentially that I'm already, I'm doing a great job because I love the Lord. And I I didn't want that. I wanted someone to actually help me do some work. So I actually did go to a non-Christian for, I think four months and she did not get me. Hmm. She did not get me. And when I started with the one I have now, we don't talk about God every week. We don't have to spirits in the room because we both have spirit within us. So, um, she doesn't preach at me. She doesn't give me Bible homework. I, I don't, I don't do any of that. Um, but I think for me, it was helpful because she understood parts of me that did matter, even though I was afraid of someone being too spiritualized about it. Mm-hmm. Um, like you, so the same fa- like you spoke the same language. We did. Even when we weren't talking about God, we did. We had this foundation matters. It really does. So I, I think that matters. Um, but on the flip side, it's sometimes hard to find let, or hard to know. Let's say you're in um, an area where you don't know any counselors and you're looking on online or on psychology today and you look at websites and it doesn't say, hey, P.S., I'm a believer, um, because they won't say that. It, it may be difficult. As, as uncomfortable as it may be, you may be able to email uh, or call the potential therapist and just say, this is what I'm looking for. Could this be you? Um, and just have that conversation up front because it, the counselor's job is to be there for you. So if they're not a believer, they're not going to say, yeah, I'm a believer and then not be. Um, so I would just say, be upfront with what you're looking for. Um, 
I think it would just be very helpful. When it comes to like, so when I first was kind of looking around, um, I started just Googling and that was like Mm -hmm. "Mm, sort of helpful. Um, the way that I ended up finding my counselor was because I have a girlfriend who goes there also. And it turns out she's referred like, I don't know, probably everyone who goes there. Um, everyone who goes there has probably been referred by her. Um, that's always been the most helpful thing for me is references from either friends who I know have been in counseling or, you know, she said, I, I go here, my friend goes to this other one. So maybe check there. So I kind of looked there. Um, I know that, um, churches I've worked for in the past have either, some of them have had a counselor on staff or one that they work really closely with, or kind of just recommendations that lots of people in the church have gone to. Do you have any other like tips for actually how to find one? Yeah. So psychology today, um, could be beneficial there with the American counseling association also has a database where you can find counselors in your area. Um, so I would say those two, I would check there. Um, if you've, if you know anyone who's ever been to counseling, you can always ask them, but I would at least start, um, I would start with, with, I wouldn't Google. I would start with, uh, psychology today or the American counseling association, which is the ACA. Um, I would start there. And if, if you, if everything returns void and you can't find anything, uh, maybe call your church, see if they have a list. A lot of churches have a list of referrals. Um, see if that might help. Or, uh, if you know, I'm sure everyone knows at least one person that's been in counseling. So maybe it just takes you saying, Hey, I'm looking for a counselor. Do you know anyone who's ever been, um, to get you going? But, um, yeah, I definitely would start with the two databases. See if, see what that brings up for you. But again, hard to tell. Um, look at websites. If you know a good counseling school in your area, look at websites to see who graduated from that school or call the school. See if they had a counselor referral list. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. I think that seeing that, so my counselor is part of kind of a network or like a counseling center, um, and reading their website and like the things that they believe was really helpful on her profile. Like she talked about, um, like things she does, things that are important to her. And, um, one thing that was important to me is that I went to someone who's married, um, not because that's a requirement by any means. If I was single, I like would maybe want to go to someone who was single. I, that was important to me to have someone who, um, like, I don't know, someone who can, who can speak to marriage from experience, um, right. just in my life. Cause that's part of my life. Um, but seeing like their kind of philosophies was really helpful. And then, yeah, the things, the ways, like the training she's had, the accreditation she has, um, things like that. Yeah. And I, one thing I wanted was someone who was an older a, adult woman, because I, I grew up with discord with my mom and, I I didn't put two and two together of why I wanted someone around the same age as my mom. I didn't even necessarily ask for that. I just asked for an older woman um, because I knew there's no chance of being friends and I needed that more than anything. So, but then realizing the healing that took place because I grew up with discord with my mom, there were some things that my counselor healed just by responding to me differently. Um, and us being able to, I don't know, have a different, she's, she was not my mom. So I'm not going to evoke the same things and I'm not going to get the same responses as I do my mom, you know? So, uh, 
and it's not bad to see a male either. So any females listening that want to see a male, that's not a bad thing. But if you have easier relationships with males than you do females, maybe push yourself to have a female counselor. Um, I, I like having a female counselor, um, but I'm not opposed to seeing a male. I just don't, I'm not losing mine anytime soon. So, yeah. Um, okay. So I want to, um, I like seriously could sit here and talk to you forever. I'm telling Mm -hmm. you, like we could have shut the (laughs) restaurant down. Um, but I have some last few questions I want to ask you, but before we do just any last encouragement you have for, um, actually, you know what, really quickly, something I forgot to ask you about the finances of this therapy is expensive. Can you talk Uh about that? Like how much is it generally? I know, um, some insurances do cover it. It's worth asking. Um, mine, the specific plan we have, it covers um, it covers therapy, but only after your deductible has been met, which is like never going to happen. So um, yeah, finances of therapy, it's expensive. How the heck do you afford it? Yeah, most people jump to, I'll only go to therapy if, if insurance covers it. Oh wait, I don't have insurance because I am between jobs or, or whatever. So um, some insurances will cover it some will say if you meet your deductible, some will say, yeah, I'll cover uh, six sessions. Well, that might not be enough. So, um, yes, I would definitely ask those questions because that does help. Um, also ask if the counselor offers reduced fee or um, sliding scale is another way to put it. Um, like I, my, my payment, what I, what I ask for is a lot higher um, than what I go down to. So I offer reduced fee, but I only have so many reduced fee slots before I have to just say, like, this is my fee. Um, and so a lot of counselors offer that. Many counselors who are not fully licensed offer reduced fee um, because they know that they're still in a level of training because they're in supervision. Um, so that's a really good place to, to start. And honestly, they have so much supervision that it's probably even better. Um, so I'm biased, I guess, cause I am still under supervision, but, um, a lot of people who are, have their associates license will offer reduced fee. And then there are some reduced fee counseling centers. So if you're in the Atlanta area, there is, um, one counseling center called the hope counseling center and it's counseling services are 10 to $40 depending wow. on how much you make. Um, and they have, they have counseling centers like that and some other places. So just look, you can Google that and try to look that up. Um, if not look on psychology today or start calling around to different counseling centers and, um, see what you come up with. I know that for me, um, finances were like the biggest, uh, deterrent. They were like the biggest thing I was, I was worried about. And, um, I, part of the reason why I was like, okay, I think I'm going to go to someone who's like not licensed yet is because it was cheaper and that was really helpful. Um, but like Carl and I don't have Stephanie's therapy budget in our budget. And like, we, I mean, like we just, that it is a, it's a, it's taking sacrifice and it's taking intentionality. Um, and it's taking Carl being really supportive. The fact that we're spending several hundred dollars a month on me going to therapy. But the thing is, um, my best friend was telling me, you know, she went back to counseling recently and probably Mm -hmm. spent a thousand to $1,500 on it over the course of the time that she was in. And she said, do I wish I could have spent that on something else? Yes. Is it making me a better wife, mom, person, Christian, you know, uh, employee, sister, like daughter, everything? Yes. And so this is a, it's an investment in ourselves for sure. And like 
And yes. it kept me out for a long time, but I know that my entire life is going to be better and easier and I'm going to be able to love both myself and my people better because mm-hmm. of the money I'm spending now. And so right. like, I'm doing it. Yeah. So you, we all invest in lots of things. Uh, we, some of us don't like to wear the same clothes over and over again. So we have a pretty deep closet, uh, or we have tons of shoes. We're investing in something. And so when you, when you, when you allow yourself to matter enough, it doesn't matter if you're paying $20 or $120, it's going to be worth it. Hmm. I love that. The last thing I was going to ask was, um, just like any last encouragement. I feel like that was so good. That was good. Um, and I mean, really from me too, you guys, I know like I have so many conversations with so many of you and I know that there are areas in your life where you're feeling stuck and frustrated. And I know that so many of you guys have been through really hard things in your past. Um, and I know that you guys have great girlfriends in your life. They can talk you through it. I know that you're really smart and that you can think through these things. Well, um, I know that you and I, you know, send emails and, and that you follow great people on Instagram and that you read great books, but those things aren't the same. And, um, and this is such a good investment in yourself and your life and your future and your relationships and your career and the, and the difference you can make in the world and, and everything. Um, I'm making this investment all over again, um, to go deeper into healing and freedom right now. And so, um, I don't know, let's do it together. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Liz, I want to ask you three last questions that I've been asking everybody. First of Mm -hmm. all, um, what's God teaching you these days? He's reminding me and teaching me a lot more about gratitude. I'm looking back over the year and I'm just so thankful and I'm getting to sit with Jesus and my gratitude. Um, Cause not just sit with Jesus in your pain, right? Sit with him in the good stuff too. So we're just sitting in this almost mushy, gushy, emotional gratitude because I'm just so thankful for all of my jobs, all of the people in my life, all of the opportunities I've had, the people that I live with, uh, the people I work with. I mean, everything. I'm just, even the hard stuff. I'm even thankful. I'm not doing the hard stuff alone. I'm even thankful for the ways that I've uh, grown in my relationship with the Lord and the depth there. So it's just been a big season of gratitude. Um, yeah. That's so good. I love that. Um, Mm -hmm. okay. So speaking of joy and gratitude, what's something like maybe kind of random in your life that's been bringing you joy lately? Yeah. So this is easy. Um, there, so everyone, not everyone, but most people love LaCroix. And if you don't, you need to go to the grocery store and you buy flavor and go try it out. Well, there's a new one in Georgia called Montaigne and it's, um, of a certain type of spring. I, I didn't do my research prior to, to getting on this, but it's so good. They have three different flavors. One's like a honeysuckle lemon, not my favorite. Uh, there's a cucumber lime that's pretty good, but my favorite is the original. It doesn't have that same, like, I don't know, feeling when it goes down your throat. So it's, it's a little bit, um, smoother, but it's still fizzy water and it is good. So I would say that that's bringing me a lot of joy. All right. What's it called again? Montaigne, M-O-N-T-A-N-E. All right. We're all going to have to go find some Montaigne. And I was telling you when we were talking about, um, 
when I was telling you, I was like, Liz, you need to come up with a, like, tell us one of the things that's bringing you joy lately. Mine would always be, always be my soda stream maker. I love it so much because I love fizzy water and it's just, yep, fizzy water mm-hmm. for the win. Um, yeah. Okay. Last thing, tell us about a woman who has been inspiring you lately. Okay. So I'm going to have two women. Um, the first one, uh, is someone who constantly inspires me. I've, I've known her for several years now and, uh, her name is Resney. Um, she, you can't follow her on anything. She's not on any social media. Um, but she was my lead counselor and I was her intern. And then after that, we developed a really close friendship. So she's a, a good friend of mine. Um, but she is someone who constantly shows me Jesus in a relationship. She fights hard for people. She loves well. She's always calm. Um, the thing that inspires me the most about her is that she doesn't say, she just texted me just now. She must have, she must have felt that. Um, the thing that inspires me the, the most about her is that uh, she does not say a thing without asking the Father. She is very like specific about her words. When I ask her to pray about something, she really does. And she will not speak to it until she hears from the father. Um, so she's taught me a lot about what it means to sit well, um, with the father. And, uh, in Psalm, it says, my soul waits silently for God alone. And mine doesn't. So (laughs) she, through being in relationship with her, I have learned, I have learned to, to, to start doing that, to, to be able to try to do that. Um, and so I've seen her do it. So that would be, that would be the biggest one. Um, but someone that you guys can follow and someone that you guys could also go learn from, uh, is, is easy. Brene Brown. She's someone who through all of her books, um, I just started reading her a couple of years ago, but I would, I had this way of thinking that I couldn't back up and I had a way of like, talking through things and kind of teaching people about processing that I just knew somehow. And then I started reading her books and I'm like, yes, this is it. This is it. And she has research and, and, uh, every research and everything to back it up. So, um, yeah, she, she's phenomenal. Uh, her like reading her books as it's progressed over the years and, um, listening to her stuff on, uh, the Ted talks where she first started and she, she believes this stuff cause it's real, but she also is able to back it up and explain it and share stories. And so, uh, she's changing things for the, um, for the counseling world and she's a social worker. So if we're going to go back to that, um, so for those of you that need to see the differentiation, like she also does that, um, which is great, but, uh, I'm not sure if she also does some counseling. I'm sure she has in her life at some point, but, um, she's, she's amazing. Brene Brown is yeah. like a great, as you're kind of diving into your heart and your mind and your past and the way that you see things like reading her books is an amazing place to start. She um, is a shame and vulnerability researcher and she talks mm-hmm. about shame and vulnerability. I mean, it just, I the first book I read from her was Daring Greatly. And I mean, I remember reading it and like circling every stinking, every stinking sentence because it was just so like, oh yes, this, this, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. It was like, it put words to things in my heart that I didn't know were, were in there. Yeah. Absolutely. She, she's phenomenal. I love that. Well, Liz, you are great. And this was so good and wonderful. And I just, um, 
I'm so, so grateful to you for sitting with us and for sharing about your life and your story and your heart. And um, I just, I think that God is going to do really, really, really huge things because of the things that you shared with us today. So thank you for being here. Oh man, thank you for asking me. I was shocked when I got your email. So uh, thank you so much. This is an honor. Guys, isn't Liz amazing? I just love her and I love this conversation and I'm so happy I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is that I know we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you ever want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog. And for every episode, we'll have a blog post with the show notes. All of the links will be there for everything we talked about, including all of the resources Liz mentioned. And you can also check out her website there as well. The other thing I wanted to mention is that if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you would take just a quick second to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We've gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all, and you've left the sweetest comments. Really, I cannot tell you how much that means to me, and also it really, really helps out the podcast. So if you haven't yet, please take just one second to leave us a rating and a review. Thank you so much. Friends, it's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night, and trust me, you're going to love it. See you then.